and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Glad to have you with me on this, the first anniversary of the Biden administration. (laughs) We will get to the press conference. We have to start with a larger framing of his press conference. It was a disaster, by the way. It turned out to be. But we need to actually focus on what's going on here and how bad it has gotten for the Biden administration. The phone number is going to be on the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. So just how bad is it for the Biden administration out of the gate? I want to read for you the major headlines today. Again, today is the first anniversary of the Biden administration. Here's the New York Times, America in Focus. The lowest point in my lifetime, how 14 independent voters feel about America. And there's a graphic of Joe Biden with handwriting and and the word hope is crossed out. The word build back better, crossed out. Headline at CNN, Biden leaves Democrats hanging as midterms burst into full swing. Headline, NBC News, Biden ends first year as president with bleak, discouraging marks from the public. Subheadline, in the new NBC News poll, Americans give Biden low marks on overall job approval, the pandemic, and the economy as he reaches the one-year mark. Headline from the Associated Press, Biden approval hits new low at one-year mark. So what is the Biden administration doing to turn this around? The Biden inaugural to blanket airwaves today using leftover money from the Biden inauguration. The Biden administration intends to blanket the airwaves with a video narrated by Tom Hanks to try to make a morning in America message. Very famously, Ronald Reagan released an ad in the run-up to his re-election in 1984 And it was called Morning in America. It was a very positive pitch for President Reagan. It was a very famous ad for the president. uh, And it really set the narrative tone. It's morning again in America. Today, more men and women will go to work than ever before in our country's history. With interest rates at about half the record highs of 1980. Nearly 2,000 families today will buy new homes, more than at any time in the past four years. This afternoon, 6,500 young men and women will be married. And with inflation at less than half of what it was just four years ago, they can look forward with confidence to the future. It's morning again in America. And under the leadership of President Reagan, our country is prouder, and stronger and better. Why would we ever want to return to where we were less than four short years ago? Sort of the most famous campaign ads in American history. Morning again in America. The problem is that Americans here are spelling morning with M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. It's not morning in America, but this is the theme that Biden wants to get by using Tom Hanks to sell an America that Americans aren't feeling right now. Now, there's a problem. There is a problem. This is beyond parody. This has literally been done before by the Simpsons. Hello, I'm Tom Hanks. 
The U.S. government has lost its credibility, so it's borrowing some of mine. If only we're brave enough. Brave enough to live through two of the most difficult years many of us can remember. Brave enough to pull ourselves up again and again. America is the home of the brave. It's why we keep getting up, no matter how many times we get knocked down. Like with our economy. It isn't all the way back, but it's getting stronger. We may be entering year three of a pandemic none of us wanted or expected, but we're moving. So they use Tom Hanks to try to make a case that, hey, we've not recovered. I mean, go back to the Morning in America ad. Inflation is down. People are getting married again. People are going back to work. The economy is rolling. And they've got Tom Hanks to come in with their video launched today and say, eh, hey, at least we're moving forward. That's something. But the problem is this literally is a Simpsons movie. But in 2007, the Simpsons released a movie. There's this dome over Springfield where, where Homer and Marge live. And they see an ad for a new Grand Canyon. And they realize the government's plan to deal with the situation in Springfield is to blow it up and tell people that it's really a new Grand Canyon. And who do they use to do their ad campaign to tell them that this disaster where they've nuked an American city to solve a problem and created this massive hole in the ground, <laughs> it, that it's actually a good thing and it's a new American tourist destination. They bring in Tom Hanks to make this, this pile of manure sellable. Hello, I'm Tom Hanks. The U.S. government has lost its credibility, so it's borrowing some of mine. Don't sell my hair, Mr. Hanks. Sure thing, son. <laughs> now, I'm pleased to tell you all about the new Grand Canyon. Coming this weekend, it's east of Shelbyville and south of Capital City. That's where Springfield is! It's nowhere near where anything is or ever was. This is Tom Hanks saying, if you're going to pick a government to trust, why not this one? what the Simpsons did and now the Biden administration <laughs> they trotted out Tom Hanks to do the same thing and he comes across just as credible eh, we're three years into the pandemic eh, yeah inflation's high and gas prices are high but at least we're moving forward <laughs> it goes on and on and on if this is their morning in America they are so deeply screwed in November they're trying to get people to focus on this video. And the headlines really genuinely write themselves that uh, it, it's bad. Joe Biden is now at his lowest level in the polling average, a double digit disapproval for Joe Biden. The Republicans are now at an all time high in the generic ballot for who do you want in charge of Congress? That's not good. And then the press conference last night, the president essentially authorizes the Russians to invade Ukraine. They're doing a full scramble mode over that. And not only are they having to do a full scramble mode over that, the president also suggested that if his voting measure doesn't pass, the midterms might not be legitimate. He actually went there with the press last night. Oh my God. Oh, thank you. 
Thank you, Mr. President. Speaking of voting rights legislation, if this isn't passed, do you still believe the upcoming election will be fairly conducted and its results will be legitimate? Well, it all depends on uh, whether or not we're able to make the case to the American people that some of this is being set up to try to alter the outcome of the election. Oh, that wasn't that wasn't a good wasn't what you want to do. That's not a statement that my gosh. You you want to not be Donald Trump and here you are casting doubt. It doesn't help. Kamala Harris had to be on with Savannah Guthrie and it didn't go well there either. Uh, Kamala Harris is not well able to defend the president on this. Neither is James Clyburn. James Clyburn himself, the number three member of the of the Democratic caucus in the House, didn't go well for him either. He's in full the election's going to be stolen mode. Uh, the Democrats are having a hard time scrambling there. Here's Savannah Guthrie with Kamala Harris. Listen to this. Let's talk about another comment the president made. He openly cast doubt on whether the 2022 midterm elections would be legitimate. He said it all depends, um, which is astonishing to hear a president question whether our elections will be legitimate. We've heard it before, but not from this president. Is he really concerned that, that we may not have fair and free elections? The president has been consistent on this issue and the issue at hand, the issue I was there last night uh, in the chamber of the Senate, and the issue is that there are two bills, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and the Freedom to Vote Act, that have been the, the solution that has been offered to address the fact that around our country, states have put in place laws that are purposely making it more difficult for the American people to vote. Laws which will be felt so she's by running with 55 it. million Americans, regardless of their party affiliation, their race, their gender, or their geographic location. Well, to the point, though, because so those we bills have were clear, debated. And it's, but it's, yeah, the, the, the bills it's, were it's, debated, it's, and they didn't oh, have. Oh, she's on the left. If I may, if I may finish. But the specific question, if you don't mind, does he Ooh. think, now that these bills have been passed that the 22 midterms won't be legitimate or fair or free let's not conflate issues so oh oh she can't answer it this is not good for them this is not good it's not only that jen Psaki has had to go to fox news to push back on the talking point. Well, first, uh, I've talked to the president a lot about this, and he absolutely is not predicting uh, that the 2022 elections would be illegitimate. The point he was raising was both that in 2020, even amongst challenging circumstances, efforts to suppress the vote, and in uh, the midst of a pandemic, there was record turnout, Democrats and Republicans, record turnout to go to the polls. And the point he was making is that the former president asked a number of states, seven or more in fact, to overturn the outcome of the election. That's not what he said last night. You can't make this about Trump. He's the one who cast doubt on it himself. This is just, oh, that's why the press conference probably wasn't a good thing to do. The problem, though, is they had to do it because he hasn't had one in a long time. It got so bad that even the New York Times was calling him out for not doing a press conference. The real problem here, though, is the, I hate to use the word optics, but people do care about optics, whether you like it or not. For the president to cast doubt on the election last night, 
unless he gets his way and then to not get his way doesn't help him. It becomes a, a very bad talking point headed into the midterms that Joe Biden is preemptively casting doubt. And then today, to try to do a Morning in America message with Tom Hanks, and that message is not really Morning in America. It's, yeah, things suck, but it could be worse. I mean, again, listen to what Tom Hanks actually says. If only we're brave enough. Brave enough to live through two of the most difficult years many of us can remember. So we've got to be brave to live through the Biden administration? Brave enough to pull ourselves up again and again. We got to pull ourselves up again and again because of the Biden administration? America is the home of the brave. Yes, we are. That's why we keep getting up no matter how many times we get knocked down. So he's acknowledging we keep getting knocked down? Like with our economy. Uh, so he's acknowledging our con- what? It isn't all the way back, but it's it, getting stronger. It's not all the way back, we may what? We're entering year three. We're entering year three of a pandemic, Joe expected. Biden said. <laughs> we would get rid of? Oh my gosh, this is actually the re-election message for Joe Biden. And it really is a parody of The Simpsons. Hello. I'm Tom Hanks. The U.S. government has lost its credibility, so it's borrowing some of mine. I want to cut corners and just get to the chase. A lot of you hear podcast ads and radio ads for Bull and Branch, and you're thinking, eh, they're just telling you it because they're getting paid. I'm actually telling you it because I'm a customer. We actually have Bull and Branch sheets, and yes, they are an ad. Yes, this is an ad, but yes, I really am a customer. I only like to do ads for companies that I really like, and I love Bull and Branch. So does my wife. My wife actually heard the ads, and she wanted to try the sheets, and now they are the sheets in our house. Bull and Branch does not cut corners. They make super soft, wonderful sheets. They use the softest organic cotton they can find. They get better with every wash. They soften and soften and soften, and they only use 100% sustainable raw materials. They're the first fair trade certified manufacturer of linen. You can feel as good about your Bull and Branch sheets as they feel against your skin. They are so soft. They don't get too hot. They don't get too cold. They're just great. And every wash improves them. That, I'm telling you, is one of the coolest things about these sheets. It's like sleeping on a new bed every time you wash the sheets. It's great. Now, you can experience the best sheets you've ever felt at bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code ERIC at checkout. That's bowlandbranch, B O L L. A-N-D branch.com promo code Eric E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC-877-973-7425. Oh, I'm, I'm still having, I'm still having a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that the, no one in the Biden administration realized they were going full Simpsons in trying to get Tom Hanks to do damage control. And when they try to get Tom Hanks to do damage control, now I can't play that whole movie for you. Uh, the, the, neither the, the, the Simpsons one, nor the administration. One. I, I just, the fact that they're bringing in Tom Hanks to do this. And the case is sure. We're three years into the pandemic. Sure. The economy's not where it should be. But at least we're all headed in the right direction. 
When Reagan did Morning in America, the country had definitively turned the corner, and a lot of people had not yet felt like we had turned the corner. So what the what the Reagan administration was doing, and keep in mind, in 1983, 84, there were no real major cable companies out there. Cable was still not a widespread adoption around the country. Really, people were watching ABC, CBS, NBC, and PBS. They weren't even watching Fox at the time, just those four. And of those four, three of them ran campaign ads. And the Reagan campaign blanketed the national networks with the Morning in America ad campaign to tell people, you know what, you may not feel it yet at this moment, but in fact, we have turned the corner. And the ad worked, by the way. The ad worked. The Mondale team said that their polling shifted dramatically when the Morning in America ad came out. The Biden team, the inaugural committee, is now going to rush all over America today with a two-minute video from Tom Hanks trying to tell people that we, the nation of the United States, We've turned a corner, except he doesn't really say that. He says we're three years into a pandemic and the economy's not where it should be. It just so happens we're headed in the right direction. Gosh, why are they so bad at this? How are they so bad at this? The underlying polling here is fundamentally bad for the administration. And by the way, there probably is now a war coming. I wonder if the Biden administration is kind of thankful the Russians are going to invade Ukraine so it distracts everybody from what's happening in this country. But nobody's going to be distracted by it. Here's the Associated Press. President Joe Biden ends his first year of the White House with a clear majority of Americans for the first time in the Associated Press poll disapproving of his handling of the presidency. More Americans disapprove than disapprove of how Biden is handling his job as president, 56 to 43. As of now, just 28% of Americans say they want Joe Biden to run for re-election in 2024. Only 48% of Democrats. Donald Trump never had numbers that bad. In July, 59% of Americans said they approved of Biden's job performance. His approval dipped to 50% in September after Afghanistan. And it's gone down ever since. That's not good for the president's reelection. But you know who it's worse for? The incumbent party in midterm elections. Here's how NBC started its news coverage today of this. This is Mark Murray at NBC. In his inaugural address one year ago, President Biden championed unity, promised a bold governing agenda, and prioritized defeating the coronavirus. Now, as Biden begins his second year as president, majorities of Americans give him low marks for unifying the country, being competent, and having the ability to handle a crisis, according to results from a new national NBC News poll. Or the New York Times How do independent voters feel about President Biden in America after his first year in office? Let's put it this way. His weak approval ratings might go up if he pulled a Trump 
and just declared that America was moving on from the pandemic and he was going all in against inflation and high gas prices. Never mind about voting rights or avoiding another January 6th. It's the economy, Joe. Wow. That's bad. White House staffers are now going on background to CNN to badmouth Ron Klain and even the president. That's a terrible sign headed into midterms. Man, it just keeps getting worse. I, I look, I don't make the rules, y'all. This this is this is just not good. Uh it, I mean it's downright bad. Jen Saki just a few minutes ago on Fox, I don't even have the video yet. Um Josh Crashauer from National Journal is pointing this out. Uh Dana Perino just asked, uh, taking a gun into a store, robbing it, but then leaving it and nobody gets killed. That's a misdemeanor in some places. Is the president okay with that? Jin Psaki refuses to answer the question. Uh, in New York City, the district attorney in Manhattan is saying, if you rob somewhere with a gun, but you don't kill anyone, they're going to treat it as a misdemeanor. And Joe Biden doesn't want to get into that. Look, I, I got to get into the audio because I, I got a lot of audio. I, I made Charlie cut up the audio. I want to get into the audio, but but I actually want to do something a little different. And, and so I'm going to shake things up a little bit. And uh, before I do any of that, though, uh, this is this, worth taking this call. Uh, for Midge, you're going to be first on the show. Welcome to the program. Hello. Hi there. How Hello. are you? Yes. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good. What's going on? Okay. My comment has to do with um, what... The president said about how well he's doing now. They mm-hmm. asked him to grade himself, and he said, you know, I've done more than any other president in the first year. He said, I'm, I'm doing exceptionally well. And I understand why he said that, because he's doing everything the squad wants him to do. They're the ones who tell him he's doing wonderful. Right. He's clearly, and look, he he clearly doesn't believe the polls. Someone last night asked him about the polls, and he said he doesn't believe the polls, which is what Donald Trump said. And the media would blast Donald Trump for saying that. It's it's just, it's extraordinary uh, that we are where we are with this stuff. And and the, the Biden administration can't seem to get out of this. Ron Klain went on with Joe Scarborough on Morning Joe to defend the administration and say just how wonderful things were going. And again, it's these extraordinary moments that are deeply revealing. Listen to this exchange on Morning Joe. Moderation is selling in the Democratic Party. So why is it that it seems time and time again, the president has overreached, moved too far left, and has not been able to bring those final two senators home. Well, first of all, I think the president is right in the middle of where the country is. Right in the middle. What's in our Build Back Better plan? Bringing down the cost of childcare. I think that's a very moderate thing for families. Reducing the cost of prescription drugs, saying you shouldn't have to pay more than 35 bucks for insulin. I I think that's an all-American mainstream proposal. He doesn't want to acknowledge reality. And by the way, uh, the Trump administration had lowered the price on insulin, the Biden administration jacked it back up and then wanted to change past legislation to lower it again. Look, I, I I got a lot of audio, as I said, I want to play. But I need to shake things up. I, I do this on the fly. I got so many different uh, threads in my head trying to weave them together uh, on a loom into a larger picture. Let me 
just pause my brain for a moment on all of that and go in this direction and just do a deep dive here. Typically what happens in a campaign season in the midterms, every individual campaign over time uh, looks at it from a local level. Tip O'Neill, the Speaker of the House when Ronald Reagan was president, said all politics is local. And that's increasingly not the case anymore as national politics defines things. Just consider this in uh, the last two decades in uh, 38 open Senate races in this country in midterms, They went for 35 out of 38 times the party that did not control the White House. In every election going back to Dwight Eisenhower in the midterms, with the exception of two of them, including 2002 after the 9-11 attacks, the party that did not control the White House picked up seats. The goal of a White House in a midterm election is to help their party mitigate what's going on. One of the most famous examples of this is 1990, uh, 1990, actually. George H.W. Bush, this is before the Gulf War. The midterms are the run-up to the Gulf War. George H.W. Bush decided to cut a deal with the Democrats. And in that deal, he broke his No New Taxes Pledge. Very famously, in 1988, at the Houston Republican National Convention, George George H.W. Bush said the line, Read my lips. No new taxes. He was essentially running his first term as president to be Ronald Reagan's third term. And when he got into the White House and secured himself, he threw all of that off and decided to be his own man and not be Reagan's third term. He wanted to be his own man. George H.W. Bush, you will recall, ran against Ronald Reagan from the left in 1980. Uh, They combined tickets, Reagan-Bush, so that you could pick up the hard right for Reagan and then you could pick up the moderate Republicans for Bush. The Republican Party threw everything they could at Ronald Reagan in 1980. Bob Dole ran, Howard Baker ran, George H.W. Bush ran, a whole bunch of other people ran, all of them to the left of Ronald Reagan trying to stop him, all of them claiming the mantle of mainstream republicanism against what George H.W. Bush famously called voodoo economics, Ronald Reagan's economic policy. Reagan wins. He brings in Bush to unite the whole party to take on Jimmy Carter. They win. You fast forward in 1988, George H.W. Bush runs as Ronald Reagan's third term. He embraces voodoo economics as supply side economics, as read my lips, no new taxes. He gets into the White House and then breaks his very famous pledge. And his base is furious with him. And the midterms are coming in 1990. And the economy is looking a little wobbly because of the tax cuts. At the time, Ed Gillespie, you know Ed Gillespie, he's... uh, was a Republican for a very long time, Republican strategist. He's worked for Mike Huckabee, worked for Donald Trump. He's worked for a lot of third-party candidates as well. He worked for Rick Santorum for a while. Ed Gillespie at the time was a young guy in charge of the National Republican Congressional Committee. And Gillespie sent out a memo to the Republicans that because the White House was refusing to do any damage control over the tax cuts, refusing to walk it back, The Republicans needed to vote against the tax hikes, and then they needed to campaign with as much distance between them and George H.W. Bush as possible to save themselves. The Bush White House, by the way, was furious because the memo got leaked, and it made George H.W. Bush look bad. But you know what happened? 
every Republican who ran opposed to George H.W. Bush and his tax increase won their reelection. All of the ones who defended him lost. It worked. History lesson, a political history lesson for you. Now, what then happened? And this is the problem. The Gulf War started. And George H.W. Bush, people forget this, became the most popular president in American history after George Washington. I know that sounds a little absurd. There weren't public opinion polls back in uh, the beginning of, of the, the the back in the beginning of the Republic, but you can look at a lot of the newspapers and stuff at the time and, and fairly well gauge public opinion that there's fairly well unanimous support for George Washington being the first president. George H.W. Bush hit 91% approval after the Gulf War, 91% approval. No president of the United States has ever hit an approval level since public polling began. So it is fair to say that after George Washington, for a short time, George H.W. Bush was the most popular president in American history, even more so than FDR. There were public opinion polls, and FDR got into the 60s and 70s. He never got to 91%. It was a restoration of American spirit after the Vietnam era. The American military had successfully executed a mission in a war and threw a dictator out of Kuwait. People loved George H.W. Bush. And the result is George H.W. Bush used that popularity and forced the National Republican Congressional Committee to fire Ed Gillespie and meted out vengeance in primaries on certain Republicans who had opposed him and campaigned against him and had won their reelection. Didn't do him much good because roll around to 92 and the Bush team falls apart to Bill Clinton's attack that it's the economy, stupid. It's the economy. And Bill Clinton's message was George H.W. Bush is obviously an American patriot. We don't malign him in that way. It's just he's been a creature of Washington for so long that he's lost touch with the middle class. And it's time for youth. Believe it or not, Bill Clinton at the time, he was a, a fairly young guy. Didn't look it, but he was young. He and Al Gore. And they their campaign song, oh, I forget, was it Fleetwood Mac? Oh, I forget the, the band, but it was Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow. That was their message that we now need to be a bridge to the 21st century. And he won. Now, this long history lesson is to succinctly then draw you back to this key point. Right now, Democrats in Congress either need to be running against Joe Biden publicly or Joe Biden needs to provide them something with which to run on. Neither is happening. We're at January 20th. Forget it being the first anniversary of Biden's administration. It is January 20th of midterms, and the primaries start next month. We're in an election season, whether you want to be here or not. We're less than a year from the November election. And the polling for the Democrats is terrible. In the morning consult Politico poll released today, Joe Biden's approval rating of Hispanic voters, 37%. 55% of Hispanic voters disapprove. 62% of white voters disapprove. The Hispanic white coalition will eliminate Democrats. Eliminate them. The Biden administration needs to turn this around. For Ron Klain to come out to Morning Joe today and not be willing to acknowledge maybe they've listened to the squad too much. 
maybe they've leaned too far left. For him to try to double down on Build Back Better, something that Joe Biden could not get past is damning. It is a damning indictment on the Biden administration's inability to run. Here is the ultimate problem. I can diagnose this as a student of politics, as someone who's been a political strategist, as someone who's been a political campaign manager, as someone who's done polling, someone who's done mail, as someone who's done the ads. I can tell you exactly what the problem is for Joe Biden. He's running it like he's in the Senate. Joe Biden, he goes back to Delaware, and he's real popular in Delaware, and he's real popular with all the people in his office. And he doesn't have to worry about running for re-election right now. Senators never have to worry about the fallout of the midterms because they tend to skip midterms. They go every six years. The president goes every four years. He's not on the ballot, so it can't be about him. That's the mentality of a senator, that it can't be about him. The problem is, as we saw in Virginia, it becomes a referendum on him. Terry McAuliffe's campaign, when it was over in Virginia after he lost, did a background briefing for Democrats in Washington. And do you know what his campaign told the White House, the Senate, and the House Democratic caucuses? The moment we left Afghanistan, the polling cratered for McAuliffe. McAuliffe had nothing at all to do with Afghanistan. But his polling cratered nonetheless because of Afghanistan. And do you know, on the national stage yesterday at his press conference, Joe Biden said he had no regrets about how he left Afghanistan. That's an ad campaign for the Republicans waiting to happen. Just play the clip of Joe Biden saying he has no regrets about how he left Afghanistan and then show the pictures of the 13 dead soldiers. Say, tell them, Mr. President, you have no regrets. Show the faces of the Americans left behind in Afghanistan, some of whom are still there. Say, tell those people you have no regrets, Mr. President. This White House needs to get a freaking clue if the Democrats are going to have any success in November because they are playing this as if it's a Senate election, as if he's not on the ballot. And you know, technically he's not, but he will be pervasive in every single election. The Democrats gambled that they could make it all about Donald Trump. You can't. When your president bungles Afghanistan, starts a war in Ukraine, and himself is casting doubt on the presidential and statewide elections in this country, you can't make it about Donald Trump because right now the people are thinking, hmm, Donald Trump never started a war in Ukraine. He never bailed on Afghanistan getting soldiers killed. Hmm, maybe this guy might be worse. In fact, there's polling out that suggests the public thinks maybe Donald Trump would be better than Joe Biden. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I I am sad to report something to you that has happened. Um, I don't I don't I don't know how to handle news like this. The time of death was ten thirty three p.m. last night. Died. Democracy. Democracy died. At least that's that's what the Democrats are saying because the filibuster survived at 10.33 p.m. last night. The Republicans and uh, two Democrats, a bipartisan majority, according to the rules of the press, is bipartisan majority, saved the filibuster. You know, Joe Manchin 
made a very interesting point during the arguments last night that if the Democrats were so into debate on these bills, why were no amendments allowed? They didn't want to allow a single amendment on either piece of legislation. You either had to vote for them or against them. You were not allowed to offer any amendments to them. And by the way, they bypassed the committee process by and large, so it was all or nothing. The House Democrats didn't allow any amendments either. And Joe Manchin noted that there was no way around what the Democrats wanted to do other than scrapping the filibuster, so he said no. So last night, uh, Manchin and Cinema did this. Now, Robert Reich, the short former Secretary of the Treasury, suggested Democrats hit Cinema. How do you get away with suggesting that? Literally, give her the back of your hand. How do you condone violence against women because she didn't kill the villain. He literally did that. Now he's deleted it now. After people pointed out he was suggesting violence against a woman for upholding the filibuster. The larger issue here is just how screwed up the Democrats are strategically headed into the midterms. They spent this energy for three weeks and they couldn't, by the way, they could not not do this. They had to placate an activist base that had internalized the Democrats would get rid of the filibuster and make all their dreams come true. There are some Democrats, though, uh, Maggie Hassan of New Hampshire, Mark Kelly of Arizona, Raphael Warnock of Georgia, who are running in states where the voters probably will not appreciate they voted to kill the filibuster. Now, Warnock is an interesting case in Georgia because he's largely campaigned on it and and he's made no uh, bones about he wanted to get rid of the filibuster. That will come back to haunt him in the midterms. And Mark Kelly in Arizona, I get the sense he's decided he's not going to win in the midterms, given the polling out there. He's doing pretty badly. He's at 40 to 42 percent in the polling against a generic Republican. I mean, there's not even a candidate and he's losing to him. So he might as well go all in on what he really believes. But for the Democrats to say democracy is going to die, that democracy is dead or democracy is dying because the filibuster is preserved, or if the Republicans win, democracy is dead, that's no better than what they're complaining about Donald Trump. You can't spend a year attacking Republicans for saying the 2020 elections were stolen and then cast doubt on the upcoming elections because you know you're going to lose. That's what they're doing. And by the way, at MSNBC, all those reporters there are giving them a pass on this. So if the Democrats are to be believed, you better put January 19th, 1033 p.m. on your calendar. That's when democracy died, except the show goes on here and in Washington, D.C. I will take your phone calls, 877-973-7425. When we come back, we got to get in a little more on the NPR story from Nina Totenberg. The news broke yesterday. The Supreme Court repudiated all of the justices mentioned in the story have released statements saying it is not true. NPR, however, is standing by the story. I have a theory, and based on my sources at the Supreme Court, I think I'm right. It's 2022, and guess what? Nothing still makes sense. The whole world seems to be going crazy right now, and banks have gotten really skittish at helping small businesses. They're perfectly happy to help the giant businesses, but what about you? You're a small business, you got to buy a building or build a building, or you need a big loan for a fleet of vehicles to grow your business, and the banks are giving you a hard time. Check out my friends at First Liberty Building and Loan. They can help you nationwide, wherever you are, if you're a small business and you need access to loans, let's say 500000 and up, 
First Liberty can do it. They've been doing this since the early 90s. The Frost family are friends of mine. They're committed Christians and they're great business people and they are committed to small businesses. Reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com is their website. FirstLibertyGA.com. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if they're a good fit for you. See if you're a good fit for them. They want to help you get to yes where the big banks are saying no. Nationwide, they can help you if you're a small business. FirstLibertyGA.com is the website. FirstLibertyGA.com.